Hello there, and welcome back. My name is Ethan, and this is the KedCast. And today, I want to talk about some very cool, interesting things, but just ramble about some stuff I've thought about this week, uh, and maybe the past couple of weeks. So basically, if you've ever talked to me for a prolonged period of time about um, plans for life and other stuff like that, or even plans for like projects locally, a thing that I talk about a lot is the concept of evaluating um like decision making within the con- within the context of your goals. So, um, and a big part of that is uh, I used to do competition robotics in high school, and the, the we would always ask ourselves like I would always ask, "What is the goal? What is the goal? The goal is to win. So, if the goal is to win, what do you need to do in order to do that? That means you need to evaluate what game are you playing, who are you, what skills and resources do you have, and how do you best employ that to do the best you can in the context of your goal. Maybe it's not realistic for you to win the championship, but it's maybe, maybe it's realistic for you to like win your local event. And the big question that I always ask is, like, what is the goal, and how do you evaluate the decisions within the context of your goals? So that could be, if your goal is to be a lawyer, how do you evaluate your decisions within the context of that? If you want to be a lawyer, well, that means that you need to go to law school, uh, do you, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to do law in a specific state, you're probably going to do law in that state. What do you need to do in order to do that? Like having a game plan for your life. This includes like, uh, oh, you want to, because a, a, a lot of people, there's like studies where like someone will say, oh, I want to be a doctor, but they have no plans of like going to college. And that's not really something that's like, if you, you, you evaluate decisions within the context of your goals. So if your goal is to want to be a doctor, there are things you need to do on the way to get there. So, uh, Yes, one of the most important things is evaluating the decisions within the context of your goals. Um, this is important for life, important for career, uh, and important for, uh, like, what is the goal of life? And uh, the goal of life, at least in my estimation, and it's also correct, uh, is, is to become a saint. The goal in life is, to, uh, is to, to know, to love, to serve God in this life, and to be happy with him in the next. So if that's the goal then how do we evaluate the decisions that we make in the context of our goals? That means that we, we follow his kingdom here on earth. That means that we do his will. And specifically, one of the dis, uh, a point of quite decision-making is, the, uh, is, is in the realm of dating. So in the realm of dating, what is the main decision points for that? And if we are truly evaluating the decisions within the context of our goals, what does it actually mean? And I was thinking about this earlier today, and I came to the conclusion that, like, dating checklist preference thingies are, like, fake. What do I mean by that? I mean, like, if a preference is, oh, this person has this color eyes, or this person is this height, like, that just doesn't, like, it doesn't logically make sense. Like, it's not even like, oh, that's a bad idea. I mean, of course it is. But it's like, that isn't a concept that, even registers on the same playing field of decision-making because it's literally irrelevant. Um, sure, there are like certain... So so you can always make claims to like certain interactions, like, oh, if they have long, longer fingers than mine, then that means that their fingers can curl around mine, something like that. Uh, and that's an interaction, but in terms of like, if the goal in life is to get to heaven, like there is no direct interaction with that. Like there are like tangential interactions, but it's like you're going to have many potential... Uh, attributes that have the same tangential interactions, but like, what are like the main, like, but that is clearly not a main interaction. The main interactions are like, let's say, uh, how often does this person go uh, to mass? If 
I were to have children with this person and I died, would this person raise the children in the faith? Uh, questions like that are more conducive to, uh, especially if you say the goal is life takes to heaven, and if uh, the Lord calls one to marriage, then part of the logic on that is to, to serve well in the sacrament of marriage, to both get uh, to get your soul to heaven, is to serve your spouse, to get your spouse's soul into heaven, to get your kids' souls uh, into heaven, and to teach them in the faith, and to to, to teach the faith to them. Uh, that is something that, that is important. So if you're evaluating the decision within the context of your goals, there are things that like, because originally I'm like, okay, these things matter less. But at this point, it's like these things don't really interact. Uh, where like, this isn't to say that like one can't have like quote unquote preferences, but the preferences are less of like, okay, let me, let me tell you a story. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine and I don't know if this how the story exactly went, but like the the moral of the story is is, is true. Uh, but like, basically he was like, yeah, I'm really like outgoing. But then one time, like I just felt really reserved and that seemed kind of uncharacteristic of me. And I'm like, that's not uncharacteristic of you because you're the character. I think oftentimes we can like kind of uh, find ourselves doing like a specific action or maybe going about things a certain way. And then we almost like put that label on ourselves or ascribe to ourselves like, oh, I'm, I'm the guy who says it like it is. So then at that point, you're not willing to to kind of take things from a different angle, but that can't be uncharacteristic of you because you are the character. So uh, using that as an example, it's like it's like there are things that can be like empir empirically observed that someone does, but it's not things that are inherent to them. It's like the difference between inductive and deductive reasoning where uh, inductive reasoning is like, oh, you'll do this because you've done it before. This will happen because it's happened before. Where deductive reasoning has come from like a more like logical inherent place like that's independent of the observed circumstances, which is, that's what empirical means, like from observation. So for instance, one can say that like, oh, they have a preference for guys who are above six foot, uh, or guys who are above six feet tall. That just being all the guys that this girl has happened to like happen to be six feet tall, but it's not as if not being taller than six feet is an immediate disqualification is kind of the point I'm making with like, you can say that there are preferences based on what you observe from someone, but you cannot say that, oh, I prefer this, therefore this is exclusionary, especially for things that don't matter, like, uh, like I guess, height or skin color, stuff like that, uh, where that isn't really something that makes sense. And th there's a lot of things that are this, like uh, things that if, if, if the goal is truly to, uh, like, and of course there are other things that like, uh, are like not hazier, but like there can be good arguments made for them. Because, for instance, if someone really grew up in like uh, a Spanish-speaking Catholicism, then it's it wouldn't be irrelevant to want to find someone who is Spanish-speaking or has a Spanish-speaking Catholicism, because that has interactions with regards to uh, getting oneself to heaven and perhaps getting one's kids to heaven. So that is something that definitely sorts well. But there are other things that are like preferences that just don't interact. And that is like suboptimal. Like to sort by that is is to sort by something that, that literally doesn't matter and is a lost opportunity to sort for something that actually does. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the, yeah, evaluate the decisions within the context of your goals and um, checklists are, and also another thing is, yeah, another thing with the checklist is that you don't, um, you don't discern marriage with attributes on a checklist. 
like how tall someone is. You discern marriage with a very specific person. That person happens to have these attributes, uh, like height, uh, but that's not something that is being weighed. Like it's not like you have this checklist and when someone meets all the points on the checklist, you and some of the points in the checklist, it's like you evaluate everything on a case by case basis because at the end of the day, you're not marrying attributes, you're marrying a very specific person where like, like they, there's lots of things with them. And I, I don't know, so, sometimes it's like, uh, you, you ask people and they're like, oh, I didn't foresee myself marrying someone who blank. But at the end of the day, marriage isn't like, love isn't like a feeling. Love is like a, a commitment. Love is an act of the will to do the good of another over the good of oneself. Um, I forgot who this analogy comes from, but imagine like a, like a diving board that like jumps into a pool and then afterwards, like you, you like swim to the other side of the pool where like falling in love is like the jumping off of the diving board and then like the staying in love, being committed in love that act of the will is swimming across uh, where one of them is like, like, like to fall in love, to fall from the diving board is a certain experience, but then to choose to continue swimming is like another distinct action. That is that it's like, it's a part of the same thing, but it's uh, the, the propulsion comes from you because it is your act of the will. Uh, and I don't know, there are some people who they, they, there's there is a certain thrill to just jumping off the diving board again and again and again but that misses the point of of the goal the goal is to get to the other side where that is like a launching point for you to do so that's the whole purpose of jumping off the diving board is to 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 give you that that distance to give you that propulsion so that you can swim to the other side but sometimes um like you you lose sight of that um yeah i guess that was the first interesting thing i thought of this morning the other interesting i thought of this morning was it this morning it was sometime today but basically it's the concept that um of like missing people like not not like they got missing but like to miss someone whenever they're like not around or something and um yeah uh yeah you, you can you can miss people you can you can miss home especially someone who's like fresh gone to college uh, th that makes sense but uh something that i i have i have a friend uh amazing person, good woman. And she says, I think the quote is like, I'll see you in the Eucharist. So uh, this is often said as like, as like a goodbye. It's like, oh, we're going on summer break, winter break now. And then she'll say like, I'll see you in the Eucharist. And um, something about that sentence kind of strikes me because uh, I think it was, it must've been fall of 2021. I once listened to this talk regarding the, the mystical body of Christ, where it's like, we are all many parts but we are all one body we are one body in christ and part of that is being one body in uh, the person of jesus christ in the eucharist he gives himself to us and we um, have this union with him but but like we are the parts of the same body we are like we i i am like i am spouse to christ through christ's spousal union to the church and that's what the fulfillment of heaven is but so are like my fellow brothers and sisters in christ so in a way like you do see each other in the eucharist and in a, a way where like in heaven we are fully united with christ and uh, in the eucharist he gives himself to us fully there's a certain sense that like we are the closest to other people on earth through the eucharist to where like you can miss someone you cannot be with them but to be with them like you're in front of them is to be close to them but there is a more 
I guess, I don't know how to word this, like substantial way that you are close to someone in the Eucharist to where like, like when you are close with Christ, you are close with them. This could be uh, deceased loved ones. This could be someone here on earth that you miss. This could be just like a friend you haven't seen in like a while and not a while. Um, The concept of like, like the Eucharist is a way to feel close. Cause at the end of the day, like the goal, um, the, the evaluated decisions in the context of your goals, the goal of life is, is heaven. And what is heaven other than like, we have complete union with God. And part of that is we have complete union with each other as well. There's a certain, uh, like sharing of that love, uh, to where like, like I am able to love God, but the way I like the God says himself, like love, like part of what it means to love God is to love your neighbor. And in, in heaven, we will all like share that love. And, uh, in this like communion. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why we call it communion. Uh, Yeah. No, no. I had something else about this, like, communion of love with the saints. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, like, this unity of love with the saints. And it's really awesome and cool because that's what it means to, like, Eucharist is to be in community. And, like, we reflect that here on earth. That's why, why, it's, why it's communion. Because it's the communion of saints who are praising God in heaven. That's why we, that's why Mass is, like, a a communal thing because that's what we were made for. That's where we're going. We're going to a place where we sing glory, glory, glory to God in love with each other, in love with God forever. And that's what the mass is as well. That's what, frankly, that's what praying with uh, people you know is as well. I think it's St. Louis de Montfort writes in The Secret of the Rosary. Uh, That's a book. And he writes like, whenever you pray one rosary, you gain the merits of one rosary. But whenever you pray with 30 other people, you gain the merits of 30 rosaries as do each of the 30 people who are present. So there's a certain um, efficacy to communal prayer. And why is that? I think it's because that communal prayer is what points us to this uh, communion or this common union of of us uh, in heaven. And I think that that's something that's very cool. Um, and what did this have to do with missing people? Well, if you're missing someone, you just know that... Um, like God willing, if you go to heaven, they go to heaven. Like you won't miss them anymore, because uh, you'll be with them forever. But also, uh, whenever you are there with Jesus, when you receive Jesus, like you, 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 you are, you are close to these people because uh, the Lord is close to them, and you're close to the Lord. So by the transitive property of closeness, you are close to these people. There you go. Well, hope you uh, have a wonderful day. Toodles.